Well, come on now. Who's excited to be here this morning? Come on, you make a little bit of noise. Yes. Yes, so good to see you guys. In fact, look at the person sitting beside and say, you picked a great day to come. Tell them, say, you picked a great day to come. Look at them, tell them right now. Now, you look back at them and say, why is it today a great day to come? Look back and ask them that question. And then look back at them and say, because you're going to take me out to eat after church. That's why. <laughs> take a boy, hook me up, right? Get some chicken or something up in here. Man, it's so good to see you guys. If it's your first time or first time in a long time, welcome to Better Life Church. God's been doing some great things in this region and expanding our influence. So if you're visiting with us or new or you're watching online, I want to let you know that God has allowed this one church to become in two locations. We also have a location in Grayson. They're meeting there right now as well. Tune into us. Come on, can we get up for our Grayson campus? We love you guys. I'm telling you. Now let's just keep praying and ask God to give us favor and, and, and increase this region as we continue to launch campuses as he leads us to go. It's going to be an amazing week, right? So we all get to eat real good this week. Thanksgiving's coming up. That's going to be awesome. And then I already texted my wife and told her we start our diet next week. Can I get a witness? Am I preaching anybody, right? Anybody excited about Black Friday sales? Anybody good excited about Black Friday sales? Okay, three of us. All right, that's cool. I mean, that sales are amazing this year, man. Can you believe you could buy 900 count sheets at Walmart for $25, Tara? Is that not amazing? Come on now. Now, is that not amazing? I mean, that's awesome. Some of you guys are like, what's that? All my ladies are like, fist bump, bro. You know what I'm talking about right there, right? That's a deal and a half. Well, so good to see you guys. Come on, get your Bibles. Go with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to finish up this series called The Blessed Life. And I'm telling you, you keep sending your emails in. You have Facebook messaged me. You've emailed me. You've been sharing your story, how you put God to the test. And God's coming through in an amazing way for you. Listen, if that's you and you got a story, please let us know. We love to hear your story on how God is using this in your life. We kicked off this series talking about God owns it all. That is the perspective the blessed life starts with. Everything we have belongs to the Lord. Everything that you ever had in your life, the Lord has allowed you to have it for a while. And you're a good steward of that or a temporary manager of that. So everything that we have belongs to the Lord. The blessed life begins with that perspective. If you can start right there going, everything I have is his. Everything I have, my IRA, my 401k, my house, my car, my job, my life, everything I have belongs to the Lord. The blessed life begins there. And then we talked about how there's something special about the first, the first fruits, that the Bible says that when every time that we get paid, we take a test. Who are we going to thank and bless for how they provided for us? This is where we bring the 10%. We bring a tithe to the house of the Lord. Now, if you're visiting with us and you're always saying, man, I've heard of a tithe. I've heard of church talk about that or someone mentioned that. My grandpa said it before. I want to encourage you to go back and watch the message called, What Test Are We Taking? Because I break down what is, why is it 10? Why is it a percentage? Why does God even ask for us to do that? You see, tithing is not a broke issue. It's not a budget issue. It's not I make too much money issue or I give too much to the government and taxes issue. Tithing, at the end of the day, is a heart issue to say, God, I trust you. And God says, if you will trust me and you will test me, which is the only place in the Bible where God says test him is in this area of finances. If you'll test me, here's what the scripture says. So either God's a liar or God is true and faithful. And only you get to determine that by putting him to the test in this area of your life. He says, if you do that, I will open up the windows of heaven. I will bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. There's nothing wrong for God to bless you or even praying for God to bless you if you will continue to be a blessing to other people. And he says, I will hold back the devourer, the devil, from rebuking the rest of your resources. Folks, that's not a hard decision. But for some reason, the enemy wants to keep us back and he wants to keep us from doing what God has asked us to do. And then we talked about, honestly, what breaks the selfishness in our heart. And we're all selfish. 
We all are, right? We want what we want, when we want, how we want it. Let me tell you how selfish you are. When you don't get the color of what you want this Christmas, let's see what kind of fit you throw. Can I get a witness? Am I preaching anybody early, right? Come on now, right? We're selfish. Well, what breaks the selfishness, the antidote of that is being generous. That when we're generous, it begins to chisel that greed or that selfishness away from a heart. And let me tell you something, Better Life Church. After the last 12 years of being your pastor and we started this church, you guys are amazingly generous. I mean, just look at the food bags that has filled the house of the Lord up. That there's people all over this region who is going to have a meal, going to have some food. Watch this. Because of you. Because of your generosity, God is using you and has always used you for the last 12 years. Let's not give up now being a very generous church to bless the people around us. This is another beautiful picture of what we say all the time. You don't give to the church. You give through the church to be a blessing to this region and to our state and hopefully to our world. And so today I have one question for you. Here's the question that I want you to ask yourself. Here it is. Can I be trusted? You need to ask yourself, can I be trusted with the resources that God has given me? Am I, if you want to put it in the the scripture says, a good steward, a good manager of the resources that God has given me? And in this story, as we finish up this, this series, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a parable. Now, a parable is what? It's an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the story, we're going to look at the context, we're going to point out some things in the story itself, and then you're going to have an opportunity to figure out who are you in the story, and how can you take this and apply it to your life. So if you're ready to get started, let's say go. Let's go. All right, three of you are hungry. Here we go. All right, here we go. Verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man on a, going on a long trip. He called his servants together and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Now, your translation may say talents. I'm using the New Living Translation. When you see the word talent, it means silver. It means gold. It means money. He entrusted him with money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last one. Dividing it, this is so key, proportion to their abilities to manage it. He then left on his trip. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more bags, 100% return on the investment. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more bags. Again, another 100% return on the investment. But the servant who received the one bag, the one bag of silver, dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip, and he called them together to give an account for how he used, watch this, his money, his resources. They're just the manager. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I have earned five more for you. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant who had received the two bags of silver, he came forward and said, Master, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned you two more. I've made a 100% return on your money. 
What's the master say? Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount. Now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops where you didn't plant, gathering crops that you did not cultivate. And I was afraid. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it, hid it in the earth. And literally I dug a hole in the ground and I put your money in the ground and and just hid it. Look, here is your money. I didn't lose your money. I'm bringing back to what is your money. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops that I did not plant and gather crops I did not cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered to take the money from the servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. What a story. When you read this, you're like, man, this is pretty harsh. Like, um, what is the whole meaning of this? Well, let's first put it in the context, okay? When you look at Matthew chapter 25, if you want to try to put things in context, you want to read verse chapter 24, you want to read chapter 26. If you put them in between where they're located in the scripture, you look at it, what's the context of what's going on? Well, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is given the signs of the end of the world. He said, this is what happened at the end of the world. Here's what you need to know when it comes to the end of the world. And basically he said, you better be ready. You better be prepared and you better be faithful. So the parables leading up to this talks about Jesus going away and coming back. Well, Matthew 25 is the same way. Jesus represents the man who leaves his resources to the servants. Jesus goes on a long trip for a long time. He will come back to give an account for those who, 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 who've managed as well. When he's come back, guess what happens? He's found two people who were faithful, one person who was faithless. And the context of the story is there's an accountability to the resources and the things that I have given you. And then when you read chapter 25 and following to keep after the parable, it talks about the judgment day when Jesus comes back to judge. He will judge us as Christians on how we live for him and how we managed his resources. He would judge those who are not Christians, who are faithless, and there they will be separated from God and his presence for all eternity in a place called hell. Judgment is real and accountability is real. So Jesus is in the context of saying, here's what it's going to be like when I come back. And in the story, Jesus purposely chose this story for a reason for us to take a look at it when it comes back to managing what he has given us. So let's walk through this real quick. When you see the, in your translation, your, your Bible may say a talent. A talent is money. And talent is equivalent to one year of what you would earn of your entire life. A talent is what you would make in your, think of what you make your, your annually salary, times it over the whole work time of your life. If you worked 40 years of your life, times everything that you would make in your entire existence, and that would be equivalent to one talent. So this is a lot, a lot of money. Now, sometimes you'll go places, or someone may talk about, that the talent represents like your natural talent. You know, like America's got talent, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you can sing, if you can dance, if you can do something, if you can draw, if you're an artist, if you're a musician, you should use your talent for the Lord. Absolutely, you should use your talent for the Lord. 
But the context they want to share here is that, hey, if you don't use your talent, your abilities, your natural gifts, God will take them away from you. So if I don't preach and it's a gift that maybe God's called me to preach and I don't preach, God will take preaching from me. Or if you have the gift of teaching and you teach well, God will multiply your teaching by five. That is not the context. He's not talking about your talent and your natural abilities. The first century Jews would have never would have thought, wow, I could sing for the Lord. I should use my gift in singing and not bury it in the earth. That's not what they knew. They knew a talent means silver. It means money. And that's the context. So we see that the man's very wealthy. He calls in his servants and begins to distribute his wealth amongst the servants. Don't miss this. According to their ability to manage it. Can you be trusted with the resources that God wants to bring your way? He didn't tell them what to invest in. He didn't say, take my money and go put it in that mutual fund, put it in that rental property, go start that business, go invest in that. He didn't say that. He left it up to them. I'm just going to give you the resources and I'm going to trust you that you will do right with the resources. So what happens? Servant number one comes up. He goes to servant number one. He said, listen, here's what you would make over your whole life. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it to you times five. Five times of your entire life earnings, I'm going to give it to you all at once. Folks, that's a lot of money. I'm going to give it to you all. And what happens? Immediately he takes the money and goes, does what with it? He invests it. He doesn't go blow it. He says, it's not mine to blow. I'm just the manager. It's his resources. I'm doing it for my master. I'm going to invest it. Servant number two comes up and he says, listen, I'm going to give you two bags, two times of your whole life earnings all at once. And I'm going to give it to you according to how I believe you can manage it. So he gives it to two bags and immediately he goes and he starts earning money. He invests the master's resources. You can see this all through the story. But then he comes to the, first, the third servant and he says, here's one bag of silver. Here you go. What, you, you really, you don't have to work for the rest of your life. I'm giving you enough money that you would make in your entire life over your whole existence of working. Here you go. And what does he do? He immediately goes, finds a place in the earth, digs a hole, and he buries it, and he covers up and doesn't tell anyone where it's at until the master returns. Well, guess what happens? The master returns. And why did the master return? Don't miss this. To give an account for how you managed his resources. Folks, Jesus is coming back and he will give an account. You will have to give an account how I live for him. If you're Christians, we're not giving an account for our salvation. Jesus already paid for it on the cross. I know you're kind of quiet this morning, but you should say amen to that. He is not going to give us an account for salvation. Jesus paid for that. He paid for it all. My debt has been paid, but I will give an account. How did I manage his resources? How did I manage the resources he gave me to advance the kingdom of God? Did I advance my kingdom or did I advance his kingdom? How did I live with, for him when he comes back and when he returns? So the man comes back to give an account and we see what happens with servant number one. Servant number one comes and says, Master, here's your five bags of silver you've given me. But guess what? Here's five more bags to add to it. I took your money and I invested it and I made a 100% return on your resources. And the master's like, that is awesome. And look what he says to him. Well done, my good and faithful servant. For you have been faithful in handling small amounts. Small amounts? Five times your whole life savings, your whole life earnings, five times is small amount. You see, to the man, this is pennies. That's how wealthy the master is. See, Jesus owns it all. 
And he says, this is a small amount for you, man. Small amount. And since you've made a small amount, guess what? I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate. Servant number two comes and says, Master, here's your two bags of silver. And guess what? In the same way, I took your money invested, and here's two more bags of silver. I made a 100% return on your money. And what does he say? The master says the exact same thing he said to the person who went from five to ten. You see, it's not about the amount. It's about what you did and were you faithful with what I've given you. And he says the exact same thing to servant number two. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in small amounts. I will give you more responsibilities. Let's go and celebrate. And then servant number three comes. And servant number three goes and he digs up the money and he he grabs the bag of silver and says, Master, in fear and trembling, said, here is your bag of silver. Here it is. I didn't invest it, but I didn't lose it. I got your money. I got you covered. I didn't get rid of it. Because I've heard things about you. What have you heard about me? This is, this is pretty, this is pretty bad. He says, I, I, I heard that you, you make passive income. How do you know we say that? He says, because you make money on things that your hands did not do and harvest things that you did not cultivate. You, you allow things to make you money when you don't have to work. And because of that, I was afraid and I hid your money so I would not lose it. He said, if you knew that I was all about passive income and I made money where I did not cultivate and I did not work, why didn't you at least take my money and put it in a bank? At least I could have made some interest off my money. Well, folks, back then, banks were not FDIC approved. Somebody could come rob the bank back then and still lose all your money. So I did the safest thing I knew what to do with your money. It's the safest things you could do back then. It was take your money, bury it in the ground, put it somewhere where no one would take your possessions. And what does the master say? He says, you're lazy. You've been lazy with the resources that I've given you. You didn't take a risk. You didn't even try. You didn't even invest it. You did nothing to advance it. You did nothing to use it to be a blessing, even to the people around you. So take the one bag away from him and give it to the person who has 10 because they've proven they have been faithful with the little and now I can trust them with the lot. And verse 29 brings us all together. Remember, you can find the, really the meaning of the parable towards the end of the parable. Here it is. Summarize it. Verse 29. To those who use what they are given, even more will be given and they will have abundance. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Those who use well my resources, everything you have belongs to the Lord. Those who use my resources, if you will use what I've given you well, guess what I'll do? I will give you more. You will have so much more and so much more abundance because I can trust you. Ask yourself this question, can I be trusted? But those who do nothing, even what little that they have will be taken away from them. Folks, this is the blessed life. Managing and giving. They go hand to hand. And you have to ask yourself this question. Number one, can I be trusted? Am I a good manager of his resources that he has given to me? Can God trust you with his possessions? When I was studying this, I started thinking about it. And I shared with a couple of guys on staff. And I called one of my pastor friends. I said, because 
because I was really fascinated about what Jesus said. He looked at the servant and what did he say? Well done, my good and faithful servant. For I have given you a little, but I can trust you now with more responsibility. And so I started thinking about that. And I, even myself, I've even said this, and maybe you have too. I know if you've been in church before, you've heard someone say, wouldn't it be great when you get to the end of your life and you finally get to see Jesus face to face and he looks at you and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And they will say things, run your race, keep your faith to the end. Don't you give up. Though life may knock you down, you keep your face on Jesus. You keep your eyes toward Jesus. And someday he will look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. If you do that mission work, if you bring people in and let them get saved and you witness to people, God will look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But when you look at the context, only in Matthew chapter 25 and Luke chapter 19 where these two stories parallel. The only place in all the scripture where God looks at his children and says, Well done, my good and faithful servant, is in the area of how you managed his resources on earth that he's given you. And with that said, if Jesus came now, could he look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have managed well the little bit of resources. Don't miss this. He gave one back. Somebody's like, well, I don't really have a lot. It's not about the abundance. It's not about how much you have. It's even in the little stuff that you have. Are you managing it well? Because when you manage what the little you have, well, guess what it says? I will bless you more. Are we managing his resources in such a way that we could see him tell us, say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But here's what I want you, don't want you to hear. I don't want you to walk away going, well, I'm not being successful. The goal in the parable is not to be successful. The goal in the parable is to be faithful. It's not success, it's faithful. Are you faithful with what you have? Are you faithful with the little? Are you test testing him and trying him and trusting him in your life? See, the best way for me to sum up the blessed life, if there was a formula, and I don't know if there, there's not like a formula formula, put it in like there's a magical formula, if you do this, God will bless you. No, no, no. God, gets, God looks at your heart. It's a heart issue. It's not a broke issue. I'm not on a budget issue. I pay too much in taxes to the government issue. Listen, listen, at the end of the day, it is a heart issue. And when I read the scripture, and when I've seen what God's done in my own life, the, if I would say the form, if I could say the, the the process of the blessed life looks like this. I'm going to bring the tithe to the storehouse. And it starts right there. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. Folks, I didn't make this up. This is, this is not the book of Daniel. This is what the Bible says. It's not Better Life Church. This is what the Bible says. If you will test me and trust me, the blessed life for me to bless you. And every one of us raised our hand. We want God to bless us. Here's where this starts. I bring the tithe to the house of the Lord. And God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to trust you. God says, when you do that, here's what I'm going to do for you. You don't give to get. If you leave here going, I'm going to sow a seed because I want God to bless me back, that is not how it works. Your motives are impure and God doesn't move on that. But when you give because you get to, because God has asked you in obedience, here's what he says, I'm going to do. I'm going to look at your heart. 
And I'm going to open up the windows. And I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing to the people around you. And I will increase your resources if you manage them well so that you can bless the people around you. God has all the resources. And folks, there's all the needs in the world around us. And God looks at us to be the hands. And we're like, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to trust you. You keep your hands open. God will put in your hands. And watch this. God is God's like, I'm not giving to you. I'm giving through you to bless the people around you. And so I bring the tithe to him. Say, God, I trust you. God looks at that and he says, you know what? You, you obeyed me. You've put me to the test. And now I'm going to prove my faithfulness to you. One, to meet all your needs. And as you manage this well, I'm going to increase that. He says that, not me. He's, I'm going to increase your your resources, so that you could be a blessing to them. And then watch this, and it, then you have to manage it well. You have to manage it well. How do you manage your money well? Well, first, you, you save it, you spend it wisely, you, you invest it, you repay it. When you have debt, you repay it, and then you give it. I don't, that's another whole sermon. But if you want to talk about managing your money well, I'm going to save it, I'm going to spend it wisely, I'm going to invest it. As we see, I'm going to repay my debt that I have to repay, and I'm going to give as God gives. And here's the reality is, some of you right now, you are unbelievable money managers for the Lord. You manage it to a tight penny, man. You, you're on it. You don't overspend it. You don't carry a balance on your credit card. You make sure you budget. If you don't have it, you don't do it. And right to the penny, you keep it. And you're sitting there going, man, I'm all the way doing exactly what you asked me. But listen, it's just not managing. It's also being generous. Even though some of you, you manage your money so well, but you don't tithe, the blessing's not coming. It's not coming. Because it's managing and giving. That's how it works. Some of you right now, you're giving. Man, you're generous. You give. But you don't manage your money well. And you're wondering, where's all my money going? And you give, but then you spend. And you rack up all this debt and all this stuff. And you spend, 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 spend. But you give, you're like, man, how come this ain't working in my life? How come I still like, have all this anxiety and stress and can't make the bill? I'm, I'm, being, I'm generous. I'm giving. I'm doing what, Lord. But then over here, you're not managing. See, the blessed life is both of those. And maybe you're doing one or the other, but it takes both of those. And God says, you're generous and you're managing well, guess what? I can entrust you with more because I can trust you. Folks, only you know that. You have to look at your heart and say, can I be trusted? And when God begins to look at your heart and says, you know what? I found this person here. I can trust them. I don't care if they're making minimum wage. I don't care if they make 100000 a year. I don't care if they make $100,000 a month. That's not the issue. I can trust you. And if I can trust you with the little and you'll be faithful, I will increase your influence, I will increase your resources, and I will give you more responsibility if you would just keep your hands open. Ask yourself this question, am I a good manager? It's not mine. I'm just the money manager for him, which means this, when I want to make an investment, I go talk to him about it. God, this is your money. Do you want me to invest in this? Is this what you want me to buy? Is this where you want me to live? Is this where you want me to go? I am bringing the master into this conversation because it's his. The blessed life has to start there. So many of us, we blah, 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 and spin, 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 we go, 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 we never stop. Like, how come I'm in this financial crisis? Have you talked to the master about it? Have you leaned on him and say, what do you want me to do with it? And isn't this such a fitting time as we're about to go into a season of, of where we're shopping and we're giving? And folks, this is the wonderful time for you to say, you know what? Today is a new day. 
And some of you right now, you made some really, let's just be honest, stupid financial decisions. Let's just call it what it is, stupid financial decisions. And it's kind of wrecked you financially. You know what the good news is? You can go home today. And some of you, you've never heard this before in your life. This is the first time you've ever heard that, oh my gosh, I didn't know that I was going to be accountable for how I managed his resource. I didn't even know it was his. I thought I was a self-made. We're no self-made nothing. Everything you have belongs to him. You can go home today and you can go, God, I am sorry for being a poor manager of your resources. I have spent things I shouldn't be spending on. I've done things I should not have done. And I did not ask you as my master what you want me to do. But today, I'm going to repent. And from this day forward, I'm going to trust you. What do you think your heavenly father will do? He will look at your heart. And he will see the motives of your heart. And he just wants you to recognize him. You can't serve both. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And he says, you know what? Today's a new day. Let's start. And it may take you a while to get your financial house in order. But it's the motive of your heart to say, God, you know what? Because we don't want you to go all the way through November and December and be like most people come January when you finally get that credit card bill that you're sick to your stomach because you're buying gifts to impress people that you don't even like. You're buying stuff that your kids, honestly, at the end of the day, don't even need. They'd rather play with the box than the $100 toy you got them. Can I get a witness, parents? Come on. And you just want to like, and you open up a gift that's like, where's the next one? You're like, you ungrateful booger. You know what I'm saying, right? You know this. We've all been there. And then we have this burden and regret, and in January we come in, we're going to set a new budget this year, and we're going to win with our money. Then you get that credit card bill, like, how are we going to do this? And all of a sudden, the little bit you get back on your tax return, you look at it and say, here's a little bit. We better go pay off our credit card, pay off that debt. Or if you're like most people, you go blow it on something else. Folks, that's not the better life. Paycheck to paycheck is not the blessed life. But I will promise you this way, and you today may be paycheck to paycheck. You don't have to be that way. God does not want you to sit there and worry over your finances and anxiety and depression and I don't have this and how we're going to do this and how we're going to put the food on the table. That is not God's purpose and plan. If an earthly father, he says, give good gifts, how in the world would your heavenly father not give good gifts to you? It starts with your posture of your heart saying, God, I'm sorry. I've managed poorly. Today's a new day. We will get our financial house in order. And I know some of the tension. I can sense it right now. Pastor, my wife's a spender and I'm a saver. My husband's a spender, but I'm the saver. My husband's not saved, but I'm saved. And I try to manage the money and tithe them, but he don't want me to tithe, but I want to tithe. But he says, no, I can't tithe. And he wants to do this, but then he makes this and he's the breadwinner or she's the breadwinner. And, and we got to, how do we get this? And that's a, very, that's a very tight tension to manage. Folks, don't get caught up in what's the amount. Get caught up in what's in your heart. God looks at the heart. He sees your heart. He knows your heart. This may take time, but I promise you it's worth it to get your financial house order. Why? Watch this. Watch it. Because we want everyone to experience the blessed life. We want everyone to experience a better life than they've ever dreamed of. Ask yourself the question one more time. Can I be trusted with the resources that's his? I'm going to ask if you would to bow your heads. couple things if you're watching online or you're listening to this message or you're here today in person one of our locations 
And this kind of upsets you a little bit. Like it kind of rubs you the wrong way. And you're like, I just, every time I go to church, it's not about money. Church is what you make. Listen, listen, listen. I don't need your money. I really, this is not what I want from you. This is what I want for you. If there's tension when you hear God's word that is true, and then you have negative emotions towards it, you have to stop and say, Holy Spirit, why do I feel this way? Why does it bother me when someone tells me I need to learn how to spend my money wisely? Why does it bother me when someone says, bring back to God what's already his? I didn't make this up. That's what his word says. Why, does that, why is that so much tension in my heart? Would you stop as a child of God? If that's you and you're a child of God, you should stop and say, wait, wait, wait. Lord, why does this bother me? Why does why this, this rub me the different way? And then let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Because I promise he wants to do a great work in your life. And as believers, we should be the most generous people on the planet. Because God did the most generous act in the world. He gave his only son to cancel out our debt that we can never repay. Bypass hell and spend eternity with him. Folks, that's generous. Our sins have been washed white as snow. He's taken everything you've ever said, done in your past, in your present, and in your future, and cast them as far as the east is to the west. God has been so generous to us. And all he asks for us as his servants is to manage his stuff well. If that's you and you need help, for several, several years now, we have had people in our church to become financial coaches to help anyone who wants to be a good steward and manager of God's resources. It's completely free. It's 100% confidential. If you're like, you know what? I'm going to reach out. I need to figure this out. I need somebody to come alongside me and help me out. We are here to serve you in any way we can. If you'll go to the next step area, there's nothing to be embarrassed about that. There's nothing to be wrong about that. Some of you right now, and let's be honest, you went through a bitter divorce and it wiped you out financially. Some of you have unexpected medical bills and there was nothing you can do. Some of you, let's just face it, we've all been there, right? You made a dumb decision and you shouldn't have done it. But the good news is you can start over today. And whatever hole you've dug yourself in or that's come your way, you can get out. We've talked about, here's how the Lord wants to do this in your life. Let us help you and serve you. And then if you're here this morning as well, watch online. We're about to take communion as a family and celebrate it. Communion is for the family of God. Those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. And so if you're here and you're just checking this God thing out and you don't know yet if you really believe, if Jesus is even real, but you're just here and you're checking it out. Here's what I'm doing. In just a moment, you don't, don't take communion because communion are for those who believe. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond right now to give your life to Jesus. The greatest gift you could ever receive, receiving your entire life, is the generosity of his son. Jesus came for you. He died for you. He got up out of the grave for you. And we just learned in a parable, he is coming back to give an account and to redeem his church, to take his church home. So if that's you and you're ready to give your life to Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to pray with me. Saying a prayer we know doesn't save us, but our lips can proclaim what our heart declares. And if your heart declares Jesus Christ is the master, he is the Lord, then why don't you give your life to Jesus today? 
right where you sit, just say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And as best as I know how, I'm going to give my life to you. Now, Master, help me live for you for the rest of my life. Master, help me manage your resources according to your word. And if that's you at both of our locations, if you're watching online, we would love to celebrate with you. Please let us know. We have some resources we want to give you and help you in your walk with Jesus. But as we get ready to go into a time of communion with your head still bowed, here's what I want you to do. You know, when we celebrate communion, we celebrate the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the return of Jesus. We should examine our hearts and we don't take it in a manner that's unworthy, obviously. But I'm going to give you just a moment to pause. And here's what I want you to pray right now as a Christian, if you're a Christian. And listen, if you're visiting from another church, you are more than welcome to take communion with us. We're no closed church. There's no little C church. It's the big C church, your family. You are more welcome to celebrate with us. But here's what I want you to do if you're a Christian and you follow Jesus. Right now, would you ask Jesus this question? Say, Jesus, is there anything between me and you? And whatever the Holy Spirit brings to your mind, confess it. Yeah, you probably shouldn't have said that to your wife this morning. Confess it. Don't argue with it. Don't even try to justify it. Yeah, this week when you just, just whatever he brings to your mind, would you say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Because as we take communion, we want our hearts and mind to be pure and right before the Lord. He says, if you confess your sins, I will forgive you and be faithful and just and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So just asking. I'm going to give you just a moment. Somewhere around you in a seat close to you is probably a communion cup. If you'll go ahead and grab that, if you want to celebrate communion with us today, just grab yours. If you don't have one, there's not one next to you. If you don't mind, just raise your hand. We'll make sure we'll get you one. Just say, hey, I don't have one. I need one. And we'll have someone bring it right to you. Just grab it. We're going to celebrate this together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul writes this. He said, For what? For I have received from the Lord, I'm going to also pass on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body. His body was broken on the cross for you. His body was broken for you and for me. And he says, As we eat this bread, it's a memory to remind us that Jesus died on the cross for us. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25 says, in the same way after supper, he took the cup. Man, I wish I had time to jump into this because he took the third cup. There was always four cups, but the third cup was the cup of redemption. It was a cup that when Jesus was, where God was going to redeem his people. And at this very moment is when the Old Testament began to become the New Testament. 
The word testament just means covenant. There's an old covenant where they were sacrificing lambs and, and things in my place. But now under the new covenant, Jesus is our lamb of God. He will be sacrificed for us. So when he grabs that cup, there's so much context there. He grabs the third cup and he says this, this is the new covenant. This is the new testament. This is what's about to happen. I'm going to die for you. My blood's going to be shed for you. And when my blood is poured out for you, when I become the last sacrifice needed, when you take communion, when you drink that, I want you to remember that my blood was shed for you and that my heavenly father was so generous that he gave me and I laid my life down for you. So when you do this, he says, you do this to remember me. Verse 26 says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And church, he's coming back. The master is coming. He is coming to get his church. I pray that you will be prepared. I pray that you will be ready. I pray that you will be faithful that when the master returns from his long trip, that he will find you to be faithful and for what he's done in your life. Come on, would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. That is so generous. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But God, in your generosity, you gave us your son. Thank you for your son, Jesus. And God, you have blessed us to be a blessing to this region. And I pray that your favor will continue to fall on your church, that your church would rise up and be the most generous church, that we will bless this region. We will reach the world with the gospel, that when you do come back, that you will find your people who have been faithful and that we will all hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have managed my resources well to advance my kingdom. Great is your reward. Lord Jesus, would you come? Lord Jesus, would you come now to restore your church, to take your bride, to be with you for all eternity? What a glorious day that will be. We beg you to do that. We ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Come on now, and everybody said, amen. Thanks for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app and consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast. Lastly, if you would like to support what God is doing through this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church/givenow. We're praying you have a great week and hope to see you again soon.